Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, we are looking forward to an exciting year, a really exciting year. Matter of fact, we're going to kick off not only all the, all the Christmas services and Christmas Eve, and by the way, invite people. People are more open, surveys have shown, to come at Christmas to church than any other time. And yes, we are having service on Christmas Sunday. People have asked me, are y'all having service on Christmas Sunday? You know what I say? Whose birthday is it, his or yours? Imagine that. Your best friend who you love the most has a birthday party. You say, I love you so much, I stayed home and watched you online. That's really good. And so we, we're excited about all those services that are happening. I think we're having 16 services at all of our campuses over two days. But then we kick off the new year, and our guest to kick off the new year at all of our campuses speaking is the pastor of the largest church in America, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands. They are having 135 Christmas services with over 100,000 people. So he's going to be here to kick off the new year for us, and that's going to be amazing. And then we go into spiritual renewal. The weekend of the uh, 15th is going to be the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. Nights the 16th through the 18th. And our guests are going to be Pastor Obed Martinez, Pastor Jimmy Rollins. How many of you heard Pastor Jimmy last year? Lord Jesus, if you didn't hear Pastor Jimmy, you need to be here. And then... Uh, John Bevere, and Grammy Award-winning artist who you see on everywhere now, all over, Torrin Wells. He's going to be here with us. So that's going to be the week of spiritual renewal. Isn't that going to be exciting? So there's all kinds of amazing things that we are preparing for you this upcoming year. And so we kick it off with Pastor Chris Hodges that the next following week, we're going to do a week of fasting and prayer. And then we're going to go from that right into spiritual renewal. That's a lot. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever needed a miracle? Like, Like, have you ever had something that so bothered you? Maybe it was where your marriage was or your children or, or a situation at work or, or maybe with a, a relative or a loved one who was struggling. And like, like, like you needed Jesus to answer you. Oftentimes people will do very generous things for us, our church. Uh, somebody wrote a half a million dollar check once for, for, for us to renovate or Someone else, a million-dollar check for us. To, and when, when you say, Pastor, what do you do when someone does something like that? I'm going to tell you what I do every time. When they go, here, here's what we'd like to do for this church or to open up Youngsville or to start all these different things. I always stop, and I look at them, and I say, I want to ask a question. I, I know, obviously, the resources you have, you can get or buy anything that you want. But if Jesus came today, and he was standing right here beside you, And he looked at you and said, what one thing could I do for you? What would your answer be? And then they tell me, and it's usually has nothing to do with money, nothing to do with a job, 
Nothing to do with anything that's material. You know who usually it's about? Their children. A loved one, their mate. A mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a best friend. It's usually about someone. Sometimes the, the, the irony of being a Christian is that you, you pray for people that are going through issues. How many of you have friends that have gone through some deep issues or family members? Raise your hand. And you, you pray with them that God would help them and that their prayers would be answered and God would restore their marriage or bring their child back home or help them in the, in the physical miracle that they might need of healing. H- have you ever prayed for someone and God was answering your prayer to help them, but your prayer for what you want and needed wasn't answered? And you, you, you go, Lord, listen, I'm, I'm glad you're touching their marriage, but could you touch T-Boy? Could, could you touch my child? Could you do something? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever experienced that. I don't think I am. That I'm ministering to people and I'm leading their children to the Lord and seeing people get set free from addiction and watching God work in their life and answer their prayers. And I'm like, Lord, I'm glad that like you're touching all these people, but could you stop at 220 Twin Lakes? But my, my, my children need you. Has anyone ever felt that way? Well, what do you do when you're waiting for your prayers to be answered? Well, what do you do when, when you actually need Jesus to show up in a way that, that everyone knows it's him? And while you're praying for that to happen for other people and it's being answered in your situation, it's not being answered. Anybody been there? Anybody there today? Today's message is about waiting for a miracle. It begins with an amazing story. An amazing story. Jesus came to a place called Gennesaret. I was just there. Michelle and I were in Israel six weeks ago. And we were right there in this area. And there in Gennesaret, there was a man there. We don't know how he got there. We don't know how long he'd been there. We simply know the condition he finally arrived at. He was called the Gadarene demoniac. The Gadarene demoniac. He couldn't keep clothes on. He would rip his clothes off. He couldn't keep chains on. They chained him up and he'd break off his chains. And so he hangs out around the graveyards. So think about that. No matter what, what, what's going on, think about if that was a part of Lafayette. Hey, we can't go over there. Why? There's a naked guy who's chained up and demon-possessed. You can't go over there. And do you know what nakedness is? N- nakedness is when you expose things publicly that shouldn't be exposed anywhere but privately. We, we've all seen people like that, addicted in public, saying things in public, acting out in public doing things like that. And this is where we pick up our story because Jesus comes to the city and when he comes, the demoniac comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he says, Jesus, son of God, why are you here to torment me? And Jesus says, who are you? And he says, my name is Legion for I am many demons. And Jesus looks and he says, okay. And he casts them out and he casts them into a herd of pigs. You know why Cracklin will kill you? You know why Buddha will kill you? If you he said, Jesus cast out all those demons up into that. And when they go in there and you start eating that, those demons start sticking out of you. 
And so the demons all run into the ocean and drowned. Now here's where we pick up the story. And when they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man. Remember, he was normally naked, (laughs) broken chains, and acting out. And the demonized man was, what is he doing? Sitting there. They'd never seen him sitting. He was, they're sitting there. It looks like the demon-possessed guy. What does he look like? I don't know. I've never seen him with clothes on before. Kind of looks different. Sitting there, properly clothed and in his right mind. He's not writhing at the mouth. He's not screaming, yelling out profanities. He's not cutting himself up. But he's sitting in a Bible study with Jesus. He's got his iPad out and he's taking notes. Seeing what had happened to the man possessed by many demons, the people became Hold it. Are they terrified of a naked man? Are they terrified of a man that can't be kept with chains? Are they terrified of a man who's in a Bible study? Do you know why? Because there's some people that you used to run with that liked you a whole lot more than you when you were full of the devil than they do that now that you're serving God and you won't participate in all the craziness you used to participate in before. And there... They said, those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what he had done to the pigs. And then they asked Jesus to... Then they asked him to leave. As Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from all the demons asked him, can I go with you? And Jesus answered, no. But he said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you and tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about Jesus and all they'd done for him. And all the people, what? They marveled. And Jesus returned from across the lake and a huge crowd quickly gathered together around him at the shoreline. And then a man saw that it was Jesus. So he, he did what? Pushed through, pushed through the crowd, and he threw himself down at his feet. And the man's name was Jairus. He was a Jewish official in charge of the local synagogue or church. And he pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death. Okay, she's in intensive care. She doesn't have days. She has minutes. My little daughter's at the point of death. And she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hand on her and heal her and she will live. And immediately Jesus went with him and a huge crowd followed. And what were they doing? Pressing in on him on all sides. Any of you ever been to a Saints game when people used to want to go to them? If you ever go into a Saints game, you're going, it's a crowd. I mean, people are pressing all over you. Picture that in your mind. And now in the crowd was a woman who had suffered from horribly from bleeding, continual bleeding for how many years? Can you imagine bleeding, hemorrhaging for 12 years? This woman, sickly, she probably weighs 80 or 90 pounds. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all that she had for treatment, she just kept getting worse instead of better. And when she heard that Jesus had healing power, she pushed through what? 
the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his. I'm going to show you a prayer shawl in just a minute. For she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to, she kept saying to herself, if I can only even touch his clothes, I will be killed. And as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it. For she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Now, let me just stop a moment. Has anyone here ever been healed before? Physically healed by Jesus? Come on, you've been physically healed. Raise your hand. What did it feel like? You know what most people say that have been healed? Heat started going through my body. I just felt heat. It was like the frissons. How many know what the frissons are? How many have no clue what the frissons are? Dr. Scott will do a series on what are the free sauce. That means chicken skin. It's a Cajun word for chicken skin. It's like the chills. It's like goosebumps. When you feel, and this is what I've seen, 49 years of being around this, I've seen when people get healed, they'll go, I was just sitting there, and when you prayed, Pastor, I just felt heat going through my body. That's what this woman felt. Jesus at once knew that someone had touched him, for he felt power that always surged around him, passed through him to someone for healing. And he turned and spoke to the crowd and said, who touched me? Imagine being in the middle of the Superdome, trying to get in there, all the thousands of people around you and stopping and saying, who touched me? His disciples in answer said, you know what I love about disciples? They never got it. You ever do stupid stuff? How many ever done stupid stuff? How many look back on something? You go, why didn't I see that? That shit, I mean, that. sometimes before I beat up on myself, I read what the disciples did and how stupid they were, and it builds my self-esteem. And they said, what do you mean who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. Everybody's pressing in on you. Everybody's touching you. And this is one of the miracles of the power of God and the word of God that you can sit in a service with this many people or even hundreds of thousands of people. Everybody hear the same thing. And one person get transformed by the power of God and another person go out and go, oh, it was good. It was okay. When you're hungry and you're desperate and you're needy, you always touch Jesus. You always touch Jesus. And they were pressing in against you. Jesus' eyes swept through the crowd for the one who touched him for the healing. And when the woman who had experienced the miracle realized what had happened, she came before him trembling with fear and she threw herself down at his feet saying, what? I'm going to tell you why that's so significant in a minute. And she told her story of what had just happened. And then Jesus said to her, what? Say it loud, ladies. He said, daughter, because you dare to believe your faith has healed you. Go in peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. And before he had finished speaking, the people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Now remember, all of this story is happening. Jesus is stopping in this crowd. When he's supposed to be rushing to Jairus' house. He's supposed to be going there to heal his daughter. And now he's stopping for someone else. In other words, 
Someone else besides Jairus is getting the miracle they want while he's waiting for the miracle that he wants. Sometimes I think God tests our response to see what he does when he answers other people's prayer to see how we can respond. Do you rejoice or do you complain? The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. There's no need to trouble a master any longer. Your daughter's dead. But Jesus, he did what? If you're going to follow Jesus, there's some people you're going to have to refuse to listen to. It doesn't matter how much they think they love you and how much you think you love them. Anytime someone goes against this word and against what Jesus says, they're wrong, he's right, they got to shut up, and you got to listen to God. It's real hard when it's your children. It's real hard when it's a family member. But it's still, nonetheless, just as true. Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. And he told the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home. But Jesus didn't allow anyone to go except Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John. And they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler. When they entered the house, there was a noisy uproar. For all the people were weeping and wailing because the little girl died. Upon entering the home, Jesus said, why is all this grief and weeping? Don't you understand the girl is merely, not dead, but merely asleep? Then everyone began to ridicule and... Isn't it amazing how fickle the world can be? They can be crying with you one, more, one moment and ridiculing you in the next. That's why you don't go by the word of man, but instead you go by the living words of God. And then everyone began to ridicule, make fun of him. But he... He did what? Do you know it's biblical to throw some of your relatives out? This word, matter of fact, the word through them is the Greek word ekbalo. And that was the word they used when someone was throwing a javelin. He didn't say, excuse me, y'all are kind of offensive. Could you just move? It was, get out! You can take that to whatever relative you want and quote Pastor Jacob. At Christmas time. Then he took the child's mother and father and the three disciples and they went into the room where the little girl was lying and he tenderly clasped the girl's hand and said to her in Aramaic, something. <laughs> Which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. And instantly the 12-year-old girl stood up on her feet, started walking around the room and everyone was overcome with astonishment seeing this miracle that Jesus had said, bring her something to eat. And he cautioned them repeatedly, which they disobeyed completely. They were told they were to tell no one what happened. Just imagine that. Funeral home's here. Can't tell them what happened. Well, what happened? I thought she can't tell you what happened. Now, let me give you just a perspective of the story and give you the last 10 minutes about Four things that I want you to know of what to do while you're waiting for a miracle. What to do while you're waiting for God to answer your prayer. Jesus casts out demons out of a naked demoniac who could not be tamed or chained. And he gets free 
And immediately after Jesus heals him, what do the people say to Jesus? Leave. Leave. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something for someone sacrificially? Maybe you wrote a check. Maybe you gave them money, cash. Maybe you went over and you helped them do something. But you sacrificially did something for them. And later on, they rejected you. Has that ever happened to you? Well, what do you think when things like that happen to you? What kind of voices do you hear? I know the ones I hear. Oh, really? Well, I'll never help anybody like that again. You think I'm going to do something for somebody and they're going to do that to me? That ain't happening to me. I'm a Mexican and you know how we are. You think all the people got worse tempers in cages than Mexicans and you put that together? That's Tabasco on crack. Okay. Has anybody ever been hurt by people you tried to help? Raise your hand. So then Jesus gets rejected there and then he goes and as soon as he lands, somebody else is waiting for him. Listen to me. Listen carefully to me. Don't worry about the people that don't want to walk with you while you start walking with God and with his word. There are other people waiting for you. And now Jesus gets there and Jairus meets him and begs him to come. And on the way, this 90 pound, 80, 90 pound woman touches Jesus and the whole world stops. The whole world stops. Jesus heals her Jesus goes and heals Jairus' daughter. That's chapter 5. Chapter 6, remember the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. It was later numbered like that so we could easily refer to it. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown. I was just in Nazareth. Jesus' hometown. He goes to Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, and what do they do there? What do they do? Reject him. So he goes from rejected, miracle, miracle, Rejected. Suppose Jesus would have had the attitude after he got rejected for healing the demoniac. I'm not going, I'm not touching people anymore. I'm not letting anybody hurt me anymore. Have you ever really been hurt by people you've tried to help and love? Listen carefully to me, and I'm going to help you. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide who's worth hurting for. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? How many of you are married? Come on, he's sitting beside you. Raise your hand. You have the last name. Okay. Has your mate ever hurt you? How many of you have ever had children? Come on, claim them. They have your last name. Look like you. Okay. Have they hurt you? You know what? Everybody's going to hurt you. You just have to decide which people are worth suffering for. Because listen to me, Jesus is going to be rejected there, two miracles, rejected in his hometown. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, gave his disciples power over demons and over the sick. And they went out and cast out demons and healed the sick. And Jesus told them, if you go into a city and if you heal the sick and cast out demons and they don't accept you, when you get outside the city, take off your sandals and shake off what? Shake the dust off of your feet. You know why? Because you and I were made from dust and rejection will stick to you if you don't shake it off. 
The enemy's design is to wound you where God wants to use you so that when you get wounded in one place by somebody you did in obedience to God what he wanted you to do, you stop obeying God because of what somebody else did to you. Watch this. So pastor, you you mean to tell me I'm good to people, I love them, I help them, I bless them, and then they hurt me? And I'm just supposed to forget that? Like I did that for them and they didn't even respond back in a good way? Listen carefully to me. Who did you do it for, them or him? That's a question. Who did you do it for, them or who did you do it for? For God. Who'd you do it for? For who? For who? Then if you did it for God, who's the reward going to come from? God. When you do for people and they reject you and they don't do for you, it's your test to walk over and see if you did it for them or if you did it for him. You may clap right there because that's really good. You must shake it off. You must shake it off. You must shake it off. You can't let it stick to you. The enemy's design is to wound you when you're young so it scars you. Now, I'm glad my wife's not here with me today because I'm wearing the glasses she doesn't like me to wear. Okay, we, we get our glasses from the same place. I don't know why we go there. It's the most expensive place and I don't even like it. But we go to Lens Crafters in the mall because you get your glasses supposedly in an hour. Usually it takes a week, but supposedly an hour. And every time I go, I get two pair of glasses, okay? The pair of glasses that I'm going to wear all the time and then some other class, glasses that are like, like that make you look smart. Those are usually glasses I preach in. But I forgot them on my way here today. My wife doesn't like these glasses because I got plastic non-scratch lenses and paid extra. Lens crafters lying. I mean, within a month, they had scratches all over them. And now they have scratches that when I look at you, I only see part of you because they're scratches. <laughs> Do you know what? The enemy's dying is to harm you and to scratch you so that the rest of your life you see people through your pain. And if you don't shake it off, it will affect every relationship with you. Listen carefully to me. Why in the world do you want to punish people who you haven't even met for something somebody did to you in the past you don't even want to be in relationship with anymore? Jesus said, shake it off. Shake it off. Pastor, you don't know. I I was molested. So was I. Shake it off. You know, my parents were divorced. My dad was married five times. Shake it off. But you know, I've done stuff for people. And then you, Jesus said, If they rejected me, they'll reject you. If they love me, they'll love you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And if people that you love, this is how you know you're representing God in people's lives. When they're close to God, they want to be close to you. When they're not seeking God, they're mad at you. 
That means they have now put you in the same category as the person that loves them the most, God himself. Do you feel those free songs? What do we do? Let's learn from the woman who had an issue of what we do while we're waiting for our miracle. Number one, she pushed through the crowd. Do you think that was easy for this 80, 90 pound hemorrhaging woman to push through a crowd of people like that? Answer? No, no. But you know what? The man that led me to Christ and raised me like his own son from the time I was 14 always worked with his father-in-law who was a pastor. And he started churches in the 30s and 40s. They would put up a tent and if it rained, you couldn't have service because the farmers couldn't come in. They slept on apple crates. That was their beds. I call him Papa Weathers. And as a young preacher, he trained me as a teenager. I started preaching when I was 14 and a half. And he looked at me often and he would say, Jacob, let me tell you something, son. Persistence is greater than genius. And I said, okay, Papa, what does that mean? He said, number one, you're no genius. I believe that God doesn't just want strong faith. He wants long faith. That just won't quit that keeps trusting God, that while others get their miracle answered, you're still waiting for your child, your grandchild, your loved one. You're still waiting for that situation to change. That you don't just have strong faith, you have long faith. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has, what? Promised you. Persistence is greater than genius. You've got to keep pushing through. Don't stop. God is faithful. Don't quit. Secondly, she kept saying to herself, if only I can even touch his clothes, I will be healed. Actually, what she said is prayer shawl. Let me show you what a prayer shawl looks like. See that? When, when, when I was at the Wailing Wall, some of you may have seen the Instagram clip. When I was at the Wailing Wall, people are there. They have yarmulkes on their head, covering their head. And they have these prayer shawls and they're, they're, they're holding those shawls and they're praying and wailing at the wall, crying for the Messiah to come. Crying and crying, Jews are, for the Messiah to come. So she said, if I could just touch that prayer shawl, I will be healed. Listen carefully to me. Faith not only talks to God, faith talks to itself. You've got to talk to yourself. You've got to talk to yourself. What, what, what do you mean by that? Our friend Dr. Darius Daniels, our favorite traveling preacher, says this. It's not what happens to you. It's the story you tell yourself. One of the great mysteries to me in this church, I know people that have had very little trauma in their life. Maybe when they were nine years old, their parents got divorced and mama got remarried and Daddy was kind of distant. And then I know people molested, abused, parents never married, went through drugs, walked through jail and prison. And Jesus changed their life 
And when you meet them, all you smell is Jesus. You would think they've been raised in church all of their life. And you look at the other person that just had very little trauma, and they're bitter and angry and mean. Why? You can't trust anybody. Nobody got good parents. All parents are bad. What, what is the difference? It's the story you tell yourself. I am sorry for whatever happened to any person here that's been hurt. It, it hurt you. It also hurt God. But I want to tell you something. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things will work together for good. It doesn't mean what happened to you is good. It means if you trust God, if you shake it off of you, then God will take and work all of the circumstances you've walked through. He will work it for good in your life. He will. What are you telling yourself? What is yourself talk like? What is your self-talk like? I talk to Jacob all the time. Man, it looks bad. God is with me. What's going to happen? God's going to show up. Why? Because if he doesn't, I don't have another option. Here's the third thing. She kept saying to herself, number two, third thing is she touched his prayer shawl. Now, this is interesting. This woman under Old Testament law, a woman, while she was on her cycle, bleeding, she was not allowed to touch anyone. This woman wasn't allowed for 12 years to touch anybody. Aren't you glad that Jesus is willing to touch people nobody else is willing to touch? That's why she said, if I could just touch his garment. I know I'm forbidden to touch him, but if I can touch his garment, prayer always touches God. What kind of prayer? Any prayer that's to Jesus. How many of you want to know how to pray? How many of you want to know the quickest answered prayer in the whole Bible? Okay, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, it was, Our Father who art in, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom, thy will be, on earth as it is in. Give us this day our, forgive us our, we forgive us, lead us not into death, deliver us of them. That is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay. Now, how many of you have ever had to pray a quick prayer? Okay. We've had a number of miracles in our family just in the last few weeks. My son Joseph with our grandson John Wesley. His wife pulled into the house about four weeks ago. Forgot that she left her car running. Went in. All went to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, the alarm went off. Joseph smelled something funny. He thought maybe the doors were unlocked. He went and he opened up the garage and the car had been running since nine o'clock. Deadly levels of carbon monoxide are 50 to 75. It was 250 in the house. When the firemen came, they said, you can't sleep here. you got to leave. They put fans in all the whole house, and he came and slept on our Thank God they woke up. Thank God for angelic divine protection. After Thanksgiving, the next day after Thanksgiving, Christian and Alex and our three grandchildren, he pastors in Tomball, Texas, right outside the woodlands, and many of about half of his churches from OSC that moved there. And on the way home, they were half a mile away from home, a half a mile. Trouble Lafayette, all the way, half a mile. A drunk lady comes out of a store, 
and they hit her going 50 miles an hour. She dies on impact. All the bags go off. The traffic is going both ways. The first thing Christian does, you think he had time to pray in our father? You know what he yelled out? Jesus! Jesus! By God's goodness and grace, an off-duty Mexican sheriff, come on, Mexican people, (laughs) saw what happened, pulled up immediately behind them to block all traffic. They had just come from seeing the movie The Chosen. They had a ministry to the homeless, he and his wife, and she had 10 blankets. My grandchildren were dead asleep. An hour before, their mama woke them up and said, I know y'all are going to be aggravated with me, but put on your seatbelt. There's too much traffic. Or we would be having one to five funerals a week afterwards. Listen carefully to me. God still works everything for good. They had one broken car and one older car. He sent me the picture. One of the men in their church bought them a $35,000 brand new Honda van that's being delivered to them this week. I wish the man would have given it to him before the wreck. But God works all things for good, doesn't he? Prayer always touches God. You know what he said? He said, Daddy, when I got hit, I just cried out, Jesus! When Peter started sinking, Jesus! It doesn't matter the length. It doesn't matter the words. What matters is that you cry out to the God. Prayer always touches God. Just like this woman's did it. Here's the final thing. She touched his pressure. And the final thing is, she not only had prayer, she had the promises of God. On, on, again, I just saw this in Israel. On these prayer shawls at the bottom with some blue tassels. I want to show you those tassels. See those? The prayer shawls called a tallit. And these are blue things that are tied on on each of the end of the prayer shawl. And here's what they're for. Numbers 15, 38 says this. Speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in tassels on the corners. And you shall have the tassels that you may look upon them and all the commandments of the Lord to do them and that you will not follow the harlotry which your own heart and eyes are inclined that you may and do all my commandments and be holy for the Lord your God. Do you know what she grabbed? She grabbed that tassel. You know what that tassel represented? The promises of God. Because when the presence of God and the promises of God unite together, God carries you. He will give you the answer. He'll give it to you here. It's like a check that's not cashed yet. God will give that to you right here in your heart, and you hold on to it until the day everything you see with your eyes matches with the promise that God gave you. I don't know where your children are. Hold on to the tassels, the promises of God.
I don't know where your grandchildren are. I don't know what the situation is in your life. Hold on to the promises of God. They never fail. Emotions change. Feelings change. Relationships change. People change. Countries change. Presidents change. Official elected officials change. But God's word will never, ever change. It will never change. The promises are the reminders that we need. And then finally, Jairus got his answer. What what was his answer? What happened for him? He got what? He got his daughter back. But what did the woman with the issue get? Did she get her healing? But you know what else she got? She is one of the few people in the entire Bible that heard Jesus, the Son of God, in the flesh say those words. What is it? Say it loud. Daughter. Daughter. Do you know what daughter is? I prayed with people that they would get their mates back. I prayed with people their kids would be free from drugs and a rebellious situation would stop. I prayed and have seen God answer those prayers and seen those people that prayed that go right back to the way, their sinful ways like they were before. You know why? They wanted a miracle. They didn't want a relationship. They didn't want a relationship. They didn't want more of God. She wanted God. He got his daughter back, but she became a, she became a daughter. Now, I have a little insight as I close to what that means. As you know, we have five boys. How many of you do that? Okay. So Michelle always wanted a girl. So the first child that was born was supposed to be named Maria. His name was Jacob Jr., Maria. Then the second was going to be Maria, and his name is Christian Martin Maria. And the third one came, and we were sure the third one was going to be Maria, and so his name is Joseph. So we knew the fourth one had to be Maria. His name was Wesley. And then the last one. This is our rationale. I told her this. You're a fifth child. I'm a fifth child. Surely the fifth child is going to be a girl. And Timothy Haddon was the fifth child. And out of with him in the umbilical cord attached to it was a large sign like this tied to the umbilical cord. It said, there's not a girl in here. So about that time, Al Gore invented the internet. And so Michelle would go online and she would start looking at Everybody was adopting Chinese children. Everybody remember when everybody was adopting Chinese children? Everybody wanted a Chinese child. And so she's look, look, look at, we could, we could adopt a little Chinese Wang Ling. This is Wang Ling from a, I'm like, baby. We're Mexicans and Cajuns. I mean, Wang Ling? I mean, no. And so then finally, she started getting like Guatemala, Honduras. I mean, something looked kind of like my people. And I just kept telling her, baby, you have five sons. You're going to have five daughter-in-laws. I mean, come on. You're going to have more girls than you know what to do with. 
And then one day we were at church, the Bussard campus, and a young lady came who usually came in between broken relationships. Her mom was very faithful. Her grandmother of the little girl would bring her all the time and the mama was there talking to Miss Michelle in between two or three times a year that she would come between broken relationships. And the little girl, her little daughter came running up behind her and came running up and jumped in Miss Michelle's arms. And Miss Michelle said, I could eat her up and take her home. And her mother said, do you want her? And Amberly looked back at her mom and she said, Miss Michelle, I should have done this a long time ago. Y'all can give her a life we could never give her. Not long after that, they called and they said, uh, there's somebody here at the church, the Broussard campus office, and there's a little girl here and she's got a SpongeBob luggage case with all of her belongings. She said that she's here for y'all to pick her up. She was four and a half years old. And Michelle picked her up and brought her home. And from the day she walked in our house, she's never called me anything but daddy and Michelle anything but mama. And that was almost 20 years ago. She just got back from the Ukraine three weeks ago, ministering to Ukrainian refugees. Still helping the forgotten and the abandoned just as she saw herself at one time. Do you know what daughter means? That means that her house was no longer a motel she was living in in New Iberia with her mom and a friend. It became a house. That means that all of her belongings that were in this little SpongeBob suitcase, if she jumps on my lap and kisses me, she can have a closet full of anything she wants. All you daddies and girls know what I'm talking about. She became a daughter. A daughter is relationship. And listen carefully to me. God's happy to answer all of our prayers, to meet the deepest needs of our life and our loved ones. But what he really wants is a daughter and a son. I wonder how many times around the dinner table she stood up and said to her children, her grandchildren, did Mama ever tell you all about the time that he called me daughter? That he stopped everything, even though there were thousands of people around and I wasn't supposed to touch a person. He reached out and he called me daughter. Today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, just like this woman who threw herself down at the feet of Jesus. Jesus wants you to come and cast everything upon him that you're carrying. Every weight, every prayer, every concern, he literally wants you to lay it down at his feet so that you can know all you need is one touch from him. 